Welcome to week 19 of the Banterpub FC podcast. We are here, um, you know, with, uh, you know, with great tidings for one particular Prem Club uh, for winning the title. Thankfully, the, the title is now done. We thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for uh Paying attention to our sponsors, but we are excited uh, for to bring you another week of the Banter Pub FC podcast. And you know, um, I would say take it away, Hytham. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's the it's the top story on everyone's lips. It is the biggest thing to happen uh, in this week in football. Um, it's the biggest thing to happen to your city and your club in thirty years. Um, uh, congratulations for getting just a little bit closer to Manchester United. Now that I'm done and spent, uh, I'm going to re- uh, leave the floor to you as a Liverpool FC supporter to not just talk about what this title means to you, but also, um, if I'm not mistaken, you just published some content for the Banter Pub. So I'll so I leave the floor to you. I did. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, it's been... It's been... Just uh, you know, a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, everyone, you guys knew it. Everyone knew that this was going to happen eventually, and we went through you know the uh, uh, suspension of the league for a while. Um, we've had our debates, you know, on on uh, the WhatsApp group about whether it should come back and. Uh, whether it shouldn't. So, uh, you know, finally, uh, football came back, and I'm not saying finally just to be, you know, cynical or anything. Um, But I think, you know, just based on certain things that happened before football in the Premier League came back, uh, we, we all watched the Bundesliga coming back, we know the handling of the government in Ger- Germany versus the UK of what's been going on uh, has been, you know, different in, in, in the UK than Germany. Um, but I just, you know, I had this notion that if football comes back, somehow they have a model that they can mimic, at least look at, um, you know, regardless of affiliations and all of that stuff. Um Governments can be incompetent, but there are a few people that can at least, you know, count to 10. So if you count to 10 and mimic the German model, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it came back, you know, obviously the the, the first match against Everton, um, you know, was not fulfilling uh, as we wanted it to be. Um, and then, you know, the Crystal Palace match, you know, it was, it was, okay, this is how, uh, I'm used to watching you guys play. Um, it was, it was pretty good to be honest. I, I would have loved it if it actually dragged more, um, than the Chelsea match, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I like I said, was saying earlier, I had mixed emotions about it, but it just felt like I'm watching something that 
you know, I'm lucky to watch. Um, you know, I talked, um, you mentioned the article, Neil, um, that I wrote um, and is up on our Medium channel. Um, to talk about what, you know, this means to me and all of that stuff. Um, I've, I've always been um, more enjoying of a journey than, you know, the end goal. Um, I've always enjoyed just watching them play. Uh, yes, it's hard to watch them lose and, and, and give up goals and all of that stuff. You know, the uh, I'll just go back, you know, to the Rogers day. Um, it, it, it was tough to watch. Um, but at the same time, I just, I enjoyed it. You know, if, if we drew a match that we were supposed to win, um, as long as we had a, a good, good match and I watch a couple of beautiful plays or whatever, I was, I was content with that. Um, you know, obviously the past couple of years have been different. Um, or, you know, since the arrival of the coach, uh, club. Um, and, and, and it was, for me, it was a little bit or a whole lot intriguing, actually, just to watch how, where we came from, from the point he joined till now, you know, obviously the year, the first year, year and a half or whatever was, was, was not, um, very satisfying to the people who are after wins and trophies and all of that stuff. Um, uh, but it was just watching, as I mentioned in my article uh watching an art piece get put together from beginning to completion um and 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 just the things that he's done um you know uh his style of football and the players that he brought in um uh, the team spirit how everyone plays for him and fights like crazy um those are the things that i enjoy the most actually more than any cup any trophy, anything. Um, and looking at the trophy, now that we have it, even, you know, going back last year to the Champions League and us winning it, um, it's, it's you know, just an icing on the cake. That's how I look at it. Um, Thursday, I watched the match by myself. Um, I actually recorded myself. Uh, you guys might be able to watch that one day, someday, on some uh venue or platform um and i went back and watched it actually afterwards just to see my reaction uh when the ref blew the whistle um it, it was just it was uh pretty um i don't know i don't know how to say it uh, it wasn't it wasn't relief by any means uh it was just a, a very emotional moment uh for me um so yeah it's 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 been a, a a very um surreal couple of days and and i've been enjoying it again um just to cap it off i look at it as a way to just um say that yes everything that's been going on for the past four and a half you know whatever um number of years that we've been good this time we've, uh, we used to be good in the, in the past uh, Neil can you know uh, attest to that um, but that's I, not true like I said go ahead I'm gonna get, <laughs> I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get, 
ahead. <laughs> it was before your days, Neil. Uh, I remember those days. Um, but again, like I was saying, you know, it, it, to, to me, icing on the cake is, is is just an expression that comes to you know quickly to my um, mind at this point. Um, not that we needed it. Um, I think we had discussions on the WhatsApp group several times that if the season did not come back, you know, I would be fine with uh, what I had seen so far. Um, and then and, and just um, what happened Thursday is a testament to the way I felt about everything. So it was good. Uh, to talk a little bit about the article, um, you know, I, I try to talk about the same uh, context um, where it's, it's, it's more about feelings, more about people, um, more about the people that, you know, I love, you know, whether it's family, friends and all of that stuff and, and um, how as the, the, the whistle blew, um, how all those images just came to my mind, you know, whether it's my uncle, whether it's my aunt, my first kid, uh, everyone at Liverpool from coaches to staff to players. I watched Liverpool videos on um, LFC TV pretty uh, much on a daily basis. I feel like, you know, I work with the staff there uh, from cooks to, you know, the ladies that um, help with everything to ushers and all of that, um, all of the personnel there. Um, and then, you know, just, just, just the coach, um, you know, he's someone that uh, I really listen to and, and not only from a football a football uh, standpoint or, or angle, um, but just, you know, his, his, uh, the way he, he, he looks at things and, and, and says things when it comes to life, when it comes to um, issues, you know, from whatever political issues or whatever. Um, and I, 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 I enjoy um, whatever he says, basically. Um, enjoy his celebrations too on the pitch. So yeah, yeah, it's it's been great. Um, I hope for it to continue. Um, you know, uh, I know it might. Uh, it's just gonna be. Uh, uh, it, it's a possibility. We have a great team. Um, but even if it doesn't continue, even if you know, City wins again next year, um, which will happen. Well, no, no, whoa, whoa. Let's let let's not crown them. Let's not do that. Let's. let's not, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, just saying. If 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 it's a possible, anything is possible. I don't know. Lester, yeah, you know, Lester, anything Lester, is. Lester made everything possible. But what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, if it doesn't happen again next year, and, and if we don't win, um, I'm still going to be content because the feelings that I've had over the past few years are just enough for decades and decades. Hopefully not thirty, not not three decades again, but <laughs> yes, just keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think what, what, one of the things that I, you know, I don't, I don't want to commend Liverpool, but I think it's inevitable to do so, which is, you know, Klopp brought a different, le- you know, he he weeded out the problems, the players that didn't fit in his plan. And he brought in players that he knew were going to deliver, um, and and fit their and fit their roles properly. And then the the season that y'all didn't win, you were able to build on that. 
you brought in players like Shakiri and others who were able to play on the bench and come off the bench for and you know and you're able and you built up your midfield you elevated players out of the youth academy and added them to the starting 11 like that's what if if there was a blueprint for how to build off of a season of disappointment which i think all liverpool fans would admit the the, the season where y'all came very close and then man city won it at the last minute i think you will will i think all liverpool fans will will admit that that that, that was a season that y'all thought y'all had it and it was taken away and you guys built and you guys built the team up to that point and you know you had the pieces in the right place but then you were able to take that take that and then build off of it for next year um and it kind of drove into what was happening with your you know with Liverpool's uh Champions League performance um that that same season so um you know you're not going to get a whole heap of praise from this <laughs> Manchester United supporter But I'll take whatever I get, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who who willingly admits, you know, I, I think you know, uh, Ama being an Arsenal supporter and, and Jonathan being a City supporter, we 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 know that Liverpool was a team of the '80s. Like that's it, you know, for the for those of us who have been around for a while and have been around the game, like that's that was the case. We knew we we knew who the powerhouses were. We knew in the, we knew in the early part of the '90s. It was, you know, it was a battle between Arsenal and United, and Arsenal was winning a lot of those fights, or winning a lot. Of, and I can admit that there aren't a whole lot of United fans that can admit that. At the same time, like um, that's one of the things, as you touched on, Hytham, that that's one of the things that kind of, in, in my opinion, sets the Premier League apart from, uh, at least recently, uh, in terms of the the teams and the and the level of competition, and it's why so many players are interested in joining the Premier League and becoming a part of whether it be the top six sides or any of the clubs that are in the Prem for the, for the next season, because there's just a, a wealth of opportunity. It's, it's why we've seen several players, if not linked prior than currently playing for, particularly from the MLS, jumping from the MLS to the Premier League and, and vice versa. Um, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the, for instance, if the striker for uh, Atlanta United, who's currently injured right now, but if he comes about, you know, he's had time to heal, but if, but if he comes back, you know, he's on several, um, uh, hit, you know, target lists for, for several Prem clubs. So, you, you know, and I, should, real, real quick, you think he would join uh, Newcastle if they get that new Saudi money, he can hook back up with Almiron. Probably, probably. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, they're former teammates. I'm, I'm sure they, yeah. I'm sure they talk with, and I'm, I'm sure he's also healthy now. And I'm sure, you know, with whatever happens in that, you know, in 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 Orlando with that bubble game, you know, the the bubble playoff game that that I guess we're calling it, um, uh, where where they're where where they're going to have to have, you know, the NBA and MLS playing on the same, you know, basically in the same bubble and everything like that, and you know. Contract tracing is going to be a motherfucker, <laughs> but um, uh, like I, I, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, that's all I have to say. I'm a Jonathan. Do you have anything to add about the you know Liverpool winning? I'm, I'm sure your words are going to be as minimal as mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me go real fast. I mean, like I, uh, I'm, I've said it to hype them on the side. 
I mean, I besides them winning, you know, because they're not my team. So them winning is not a wonderful thing for me. However, <laughs> watching them build the franchise from, you know, it wasn't long ago when Hytham would text me like, hey, uh, uh, y'all take it easy on us today. Right? <laughs> but, and not be joking because that was the guy. Because we got Sako in the back. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it wasn't that long ago, right? So watching Klopp build and build year on year, improve and watching the support, the, the, the club itself continue to support the coach and put pieces in place, do good business to bring in, to keep strengthening year on year. Um, it, it shows a blueprint, blueprint for any Premier League club with ambition, um, how it can be done, right? Without the, you know, the like, the crazy influx of money that you'd see at Chelsea or City do. It's, um, it's a stepwise improvement. Just keep building success on success until you finally reach your objective. And, you know, so that part has been remarkable to watch, you know, when you see other great clubs waffle around and, and um, kind of like behave in a, in a, it, it seems like arbitrary manner, directionless manner, going ricocheting back and forth between the kinds of coaches and the kinds of players they're going for, not establishing an identity. So, like, was the kind of thing that is impacting my club today. So, like, watching Liverpool build year on year, continue to to strengthen, gives me hope that my club can do a similar thing to get the right coach in place and start building. Um, piece by piece, pull in your youth, even if you don't value Nigerians. Um, keep pulling <laughs> them through the system. <laughs> like we, we showed Arsenal has shown that they value Nigerians, right? Um, uh, except for the case of uh, Fallarin Balogun, who's eight, turning 18 and about to get his, into his last 12 months uh, Arsenal contract, and it doesn't look like he's going to sign. So we might lose a youth, but, you know, we've probably got eight or nine prospects um, in the offing. So I'm not I'm not super worried, but um, I'm, you know, I'm happy I got to watch Liverpool do it because uh, now we have something to to emulate as we build our our club back up to our former glories. It can be done. We can look forward, not just looking backwards. Yeah, I, I would say a lot about the management side too, and the fact that one, I think you know, city we have the financial abilities to just turn it around in in a season. Uh, so we have that, and I think in Liverpool's case, um, like what you said, Ahmed, that's remarkable for them to do that. Um, all hate aside, I, I won't hate on Liverpool this time, <laughs> and I, I think just the 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 skill around you know they needed us they needed a center back and they were willing to spend big time for Van Dyke when they knew they knew they needed him and they weren't stubborn about it so people spend on him they knew they needed a goalkeeper because uh as much as uh Carius is a uh, fan favorite and 
Medium lay was not. That was not the standard that y'all needed to win the Premier League. So <laughs> I thought you said no shots. <laughs> no shots, no shots. But I, I think Liverpool fans can attest to that. Like that's something that okay, y'all you know, the standard that we need. We're trying to compete for the Premier League, not a not a calling cup. So yeah. um I, I you know I can't, I, I can't even hate you on that. You know. <laughs> so yeah, it's just that it's like you'll it's a hey, Allison, it costs it costs much for a transfer, but we're gonna do it because this is what we need. And that's a testament to just the like people folks have been saying, the trust that they had for Klopp to make the right decision. And just in the market in twenty twenty or, you know, the two thousand tens, that's what you have to do to win. You have to find doesn't matter how much it costs, you have to spend the money to win. Um, so they're willing to do that. And I don't think I've seen I mean, I, th- I think for us, obviously, because we won back-to-back titles, um, Liverpool as a club on a football inside, I've never, I haven't seen a club so well run in terms of the players knowing their roles and being uh, committed to a philosophy. And I think what's, one, you know, I, I'm going to pick Pep over Klopp because of a bias, but I think in this case, uh, Pep, what his weakness is that he can be a, a bit stubborn um, and, you know, thinking that you can make things work even though you're not at the at your best. And I think Klopp is like, no, we're going to make it work with the players that make sense. I'm not trying to uh, create something new. And a testament to that, that y'all been consistent for like three straight seasons. Um, so I think there's, I, I, I would, uh, Congratulate you, Hytham, and if Sheldon was there, I congratulate him too. Personally, about winning the Premier League and um, doing the things that makes it. Because even when, even before uh, this past season, when you uh, nearly won the, the title, um, and the season before that too, you even though that like, you were building up, you were still the roles the players had was still enough to like destroy City, either in the Champions League or in the league. Um, that was Liverpool was always our bogey, and it's because of uh, just how well run, uh, well managed they are. So um, I will say that my my last bit of joy for Liverpool. Yeah, I'd love to see you on that guard of honor Thursday, man. Uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see you standing there. Uh, yeah. no, thank you, thank, thank you, God. I, I I know you mean it, man. Thank you. There's 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 just one one more thing I'd like to add. Um, of course. You know, from from this past season, you know, the summer and the transfer, we did not sign anyone. Uh, I mean, we signed a couple of kids. Um, Minamino. And, 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 well, Minamino was in January. But even Minamino, he was like seven, seven million pounds, I think, or something like that. But it, you go back to the summer and, you know, you know the fans and, oh, we should sign this person and that person. And, and club was like, no, we're not signing anyone. And he signed, um, I think, a kid. 16 year old kid uh out of uh i forgot his name uh vandenberg i think uh, out of the netherlands and harvey elliott those those were his only or only the two signings that i can think of at this point and 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 how would it feel for anyone not just you know a football player you know any employee working at a place you know of, of uh, a limited number of employees and 
your CEO, your boss or whatever comes and says, hey, we're not adding or taking, you guys are doing the job that you need to do. Uh, we're not adding anyone. And just just what that would do for you as a producer. Um, so, I, you know, back then, you know, I was talking to a lot of uh, fans and I was seeing comments from fans and, and input. Um, you know, obviously, oh, you know, everyone is buying players and then we're not going to be able to sustain or be better or whatever. And I'm just like, you know, just he knows what he's doing. Just um, let him be. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 the little things, little things like that. It's just, you know, the belief that you instill in your players, um, just the confidence, too. Um, it's big. Yeah. And that's 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 just one thing that is really um uh, you know, perfect or has perfected over the years. And I'll just say, like, and this is not to put a stamp on it because, Python, I think, as a Liverpool supporter, you, you certainly should. But one thing I was going to add is sending, you know, the likes of a Danny Ings, who was aging out of his time at a Liverpool, and now he's like a literal spy <laughs> for you know, at, at, at Southampton. Literally, Scout. Uh, spy. <laughs> um, literally waiting chopping at the bit to you know i i don't know if there are any are any quality players for y'all to siphon from that club left because you took their you took the best um and that's a good point because i'm just thinking about the criticism that they that club got for signing sane i'm sorry i keep saying sane uh mane um, we're gonna sign him too by the way <laughs> <laughs> feel free uh good luck getting the best out of him um in the premier league <laughs> Just the criticism that he got from that, like, um, like money, they, they pay how much for him? Is it worth it? Same thing for Salah, and and look at what that has created. Like y'all have created a standard, yeah. which clubs have to replicate to actually compete for the Premier League now. Um, you don't. The midfield is important, but not as important as uh, three fours that are quick and smart and intelligent and technical. Yes, a, a technical. Yeah, have everything. Like that's that's what that's why I'm saying like Chelsea is going to be possibly most improved because that's what they're trying to do, um, yeah. and so it's just the uh, testament to the standard that they've created. Sorry for cutting you off, Neil. I'm going to let uh, Hytham, uh put a bow on it before we moved on to our uh, before we went to break. Uh, if he had anything final to add, no, uh, just one thing that um, Jonathan uh, just mentioned. Um, about Mane, you know, in my mind, Mane is the uh, um, the gear that started that domino effect. Um, I mean, without Mane, what's been happening over the, I don't know, three and a half, four years um, could not be possible. Um, and, and, and you know, uh, I was in an interview, I think a few weeks ago, and someone asked me, who's, who's you know, who's the player that you look? Um, whenever the um, roster comes out, the starting lineup, uh, who's the player that should look to see uh, his, you know, on it. And, and my answer was Mane. Um, not only because his, I think in my mind, he's our best player, but the fact that he's always my captain on fantasy. Um, so that's, that's, you know, just, uh, one comment of mine. The, the, the last comment that I want to say is, you know, with all these celebrations that are happening nowadays with us winning the league and all of that stuff, um, in my mind, there's um, 
you know, a little bit of a downer for me this season. And, and that is the relegation of our women's team to the championship. Um, it just, you know, the day it happened, you know, you know, obviously it was, they canceled the season and, and based on, I don't know what they call it, merit or whatever, um, you know, the, the, the women's points team. Points per match, I think was yeah. the mechanism they used. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Liverpool women's team uh, was relegated and, and, um, I don't know, it just hit a nerve for me because um, I think last month I was on a call um, and, and they had the coach and um, Neve, who's I think a winger on the uh, women's team on it. And, and it was for the official Liverpool Supporters Club uh, representatives. And I was on the call. And it was it was just it was wonderful to talking to them and, and seeing their aspirations or where they want to be. Um, I mean, they're rebuilding and all of that stuff. But at the same time, just the fact that they went down and now you know we're celebrating all of that stuff. So it's just a, a little bit of a, a bittersweet taste for me. But that's life. Yeah, real real quick on that before we transition, I want to I want as the as, uh, there's a player that we that played for both the Liverpool women's team and the Arsenal women's team that I have been following um, probably, I don't know, four or five years. Um, and that, her name is Asisa Dashwala. Yeah, Big surprise. Yeah. She's Nigerian, currently playing for Barcelona. And um, she is just a remarkable, she's, uh, I don't know, she's something that we definitely, that we have in common. And I, you know, it, it definitely hurts because it definitely hurts to watch Liverpool drop because um, we saw I saw them compete um, a few you know several seasons ago and and they were not that far away from our, the Arsenal women who have always been one two have been they've been strong they won the FA Cup they've won the Continental Cup a couple of times you know they've been strong and so that that's definitely a loss I didn't actually. Notice, I didn't see, I didn't see that. Um, uh, I feel bad for all the the players um, who, you know, were getting their groove back and and um, have to kind of reset and recharge in the whenever the championship uh, resumes. So, good luck to them. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, you know, when we come back from break, we will actually. St- continue talking about women we're actually going to be talking about the national women's soccer league and uh a protest that they led in relation to black lives matter so join us on the other side of this break the goddamn sauce nine different flavors same goddamn feeling share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com boss up obviously one of the stories that has come out um or I shouldn't say has come out, but we've, we've seen the women's game, and in particular here in the States, the National Women's Soccer League, which in my opinion is better quality than MLS. Um, <laughs> um, and the end result is we, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, those players end up actually winning World Cups, unlike the men who can't even qualify. So... Um, or, or if they so do get 
or if they do qualify, they can't get out of the group. Um, and again, unlike the women who actually win World Cups. So, <laughs> um, uh, we, are, we, are, we are strong proponents of the women's game. Um, there obviously are... There, I, I, I know I feel this way, and I know the others on this episode and the others affiliated with the show feel the same, that we wish that there was more attention and more eyes paid to the National Women's Soccer League. And obviously now with uh, the world in a global pandemic, um, and, in, and in particularly in the United States, a lot of eyes are going to be on ESPN. Um, and that's where they usually show the, uh, the National Women's Soccer League games. And there was a, uh, I guess, the beginnings of, I, and I don't remember what the cup was called. I guess it was the, I guess it was the Challenge Cup. Um, to kind of fit, to kind of restart the league um, where they had left off. Um, or not, no, they the never. Had, they never started. Yeah, they, yeah, they never started. So this was like their all star game um, to start the to start the season, um, and they did something that we've seen similarly in the men's game across the world, where we've seen them take a knee and be silent for. Uh, Black Lives Matter, um, but that's about it. Um, uh, but we but we saw something different at this Challenge Cup. We saw the players um, taking a knee during the national anthem. Um, for folks that don't remember, Megan Rapino, who is was a star player in the National Women's Soccer League, she's since retired, but she was, uh, you know, when she was playing. Uh, in the National Women's Soccer League, um, and then in the World Cup as well, and then prior to the World Cup, she was joining Colin Kaepernick uh, in the NFL in solidarity by taking a knee, um, and she got lambasted for it, and then she won a World Cup, and everybody shut the fuck up. Um, not only won the World Cup, but won player of the tournament as, at the same time. <laughs> so um, while being a captain for the U.S. women's team, um, so we call her Captain America for a reason. That said, um, uh, you know, uh, it was a shock to, it, I'm sorry, it, it, it wasn't a shock to me to see the women um, take a knee in the manner that they did. I, I, I don't know how the rest of you felt, but for me, when, when, when I saw it, one of the immediate feelings I felt was, this feels more genuine than the than when the prem was doing it than um and when bundesliga was doing it and i don't think i've seen la liga do anything for black lives matter but it certainly seems more impactful to me than what the prem has been doing and certainly what the bundesliga is doing and i and i'm i'm, I'm curious what the rest of you think about it so um i i got a couple of points um so it's the the action by the NWSL during the Challenge Cup is significant because it rep, you know they represent the this Challenge Cup event represents the you know the first pro as far as I'm aware the first pro team sport to resume in some kind of capacity um, in the United States. And so for the United States market, which is the nexus of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, it seemed it's it's very significant 
in as much as it's been, um, I feel embraced. The well, I say the Black Lives Matter movement has been embraced in a in a way that I, that seems incongruous with the wider society, um, and I felt it feels like NWSO is taking a stand in a much more courageous way than I've seen other leagues, especially those that had a you know a front row seat in um, an opportunity to respond to the the issue raised um, issue experienced um, by by folks all across the country and the world, but specifically um, with the protests um, that started in NFL, right? Um, with with uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeling and, and the so the NFL had the opportunity to be first first on board, but I'll say that the United States as an entity has always had an opportunity to live up to the Declaration of Independence. And so there's really no excuse for being late to the party. Um, however, we, you know, we have to celebrate um, the kind of direct stand taken. Like, you know, we, we observed the Premier League players and I'll, I'll underscore that it was the players that forced the issue in the Premier League to um, throw support behind the movement in significant in a, in a more significant way than than we've ever seen before. And so I, I salute the the women um, in the American game uh, taking the lead as always. Um, uh, and and then it's not the first time they've courted controversy. So I appreciate. I appreciate them taking a stand. Um, in addition to the kneeling during the anthem and um, the shirts and the expressions of solidarity, I mean, their social media feeds have been filled with support, messages of support, and um, other uh, statements released from individual players and in groups. And like, there's just been an outpouring of kind of real statements, um, even from places I didn't expect. Um, Let's see who. Um, I I think Crystal Dunn wrote a piece not too long ago where she where she um, I think she plays for North Carolina, uh, the Courage, along with uh, Davinia and I think the the league's leading scorer as well. Um, but she she stated that when Megan Rapino took the knee on national duty, she felt like she couldn't, um, she didn't have the same freedom to, to take a knee. And I thought that was a very poignant point. So even in this environment where these players feel supported um, um, in this moment, it, let's not forget that, you know, black players, whether they be, you know, men or women or what any, you know, whatever gender, um, black players have always um, had this additional burden when speaking on issues of race and racism, and um, and had this this higher bar to to climb, and felt additionally muzzled. So I I really appreciate the broad statement, Rizzi, um, and the the support the black players have been getting from their teammates. I think I said on our very first podcast that that's what it's going to take. It's not black players alone 
speaking and, and taking action, but also their teammates riding with them and, and showing their support in every way possible. So take my hat off to the women and uh, um, long may continue. Yeah, um, you know, just just on that, just uh, shout out to the women in NWSL because I think what it is that they've like I'm gonna say like they've set the tone um, because you know you, you see what the you know NBA players now coming to Orlando and they have their their debates about whether or not they should come back and then what they should do. Um, they think, oh, if we play, that we're really we're really uh, building awareness and raising money for uh, the groups around the country that are doing stuff around policing and uh, just other things that really impact black lives. It's like, okay, well, this is the tone that's been set already. So what, what y'all about to do? Anything that y'all do that's weaker than this, then I don't know. I don't know what, where y'all are at. Um, and yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's great to see. I'm glad that they were the first pro lead to come back. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that it's highlighted more because, you know, folks don't really think about the women's leagues as that critical, but like, like I'm going to say it again, like in the black lives matter movement, um, over the past five, six years, it's been the women, it's been women that have been leading it in the forefront on the streets. It's been women that have been leading the chase and leading the movement, um, in, in sports leagues too. Like WNBA, they wrote hard for, for folks. Um, no, no filter, no nothing. Um, uh, they, like when NBA players felt like they were, they, they didn't have the strength. Um, I mean, not, it's not about strength. When they felt, they felt, oh, no, we can't do it. WNBA was like, no, fuck that. We're going we're, we're gonna to let the people know what, what we're about. And so, you know, it's just an extension, a extension of that. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's interesting to see what's going to happen for the MLS when they come back. And I'm interested in seeing what that's what, yeah, speaking to Crystal Dunn in that point, like a lot of black players in the NWSL have been outspoken around it. And I'm wondering what that means for a black players coalition within their own players association. Because I know we talked about it in the WhatsApp around, um, you know, the debate around equal pay, which is a very uh, worthy debate to have. And I'm just thinking about, you know, what does this mean? Because the women's game is just as much played by pay for play as the men's. Um, you don't see it as much because uh, the women's team is, is uh, victorious and they don't, it's, that's those things are kind of hidden. So that's about to come in the forefront. And, you know, what does that mean for Black Lives Abroad too? Like if fighting for equal pay, and I think the argument, um, you know, is about uh, we are more successful and we, and we make a lot of money, so we should be paid equally. So what does that say for players that, what does it say for women's leagues across the world that don't, aren't as successful as the men's and don't make as much money? Like they should be getting paid equal too. So uh, that, that was my question over that debate, but it opens up a lot of things around like, in terms of women's league, like how does that extend to actually policies that really help uh, black players and uh, other non-white players in the game too? Yeah, so for me, it's just two points about, you know, 
the uh, the whole thing. Um, you know, the league coming back and and the players kneeling down. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just go back to something that you said, Neil, um, initially about how it felt more genuine than any other um, portrayal of solidarity with the movement. Um, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and, and, you know, the biggest evidence of, of that, in my own opinion, is just seeing those two players kneeling down and crying. Um, that, that was just, to me, so powerful. Uh, but this, the second point, I think, is just the fact that I'm, I'm loving, you know, what's happening uh, from kneeling because they're doing something that, you know, maybe not all of them, um, but the ones that wanted to do it can do it now without their leagues, their executives saying anything because everyone has to do it now. Um, and, and, and I'm really happy about that. Um, you know, just going back to a couple of years ago in the NFL and, you know, all the hoopla around it and how they did, um, and 180 recently, and now, you know, all the leagues, um, you know, uh, I'm assuming, you know, MLS is going to have some kind of, uh, you know, show of solidarity or whatever. I know that's not going to sell, um, but they still have to do it because of, you know, the people that have been protesting in, in, in the streets. Uh, and, and, and to be honest, whether they want to do it or not, they still have to do it. And, and that's what I care about. Um, it's not the only thing that I care about, but in my mind, it's more of, um, you should have been doing this for a couple of years now. Um, and, and, and now you have to go with the flow and do it. Um, so it just, I don't know, it, it, it feels like a, a, a small tri triumph for me. Um, even though, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you go to talk to, to the executives and not, not all of them are on board with it. Um, so that just feels good to me. Ama, did you want to add something before we to talk about the other jerseys before we move oh, on? Yeah, so just real quick before we move on, I was um, when when uh, Jonathan was talking, mentioning um, WNBA players and taking the activism kind of to the next level. I love. Um, I wanted uh, to add uh, the work that was done by WNBA players to. Um, get the league to allow them to replace their names um, with the um, with the names of, of folks who have been uh, victims of police violence and, or just white supremacist violence in the, in the country. And which, that, to me, that's significant. So you're gonna see, you know, you're gonna see Houston players with Breonna Taylor's name on their backs. And, and I think that's, that's amazing. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, the NBA has also agreed to um, make a similar gesture. And again, just to double and triple down on the point that all these changes, all these actions were made, um, devised, organized, implemented by women, you know. And with that, 
uh, you know, before we have one more segment, so uh, stick with us as we uh, transition. And uh, as we come back from this second break, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some interesting transfer news because obviously some contracts have ended in world football and some haven't, but uh, there have been some interesting moves made by a significant numbers of teams. And when we come back, we're going to talk about three. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors, same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Boss up. Looking with us again, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there were three um, uh, major transfers that had, or, or two major transfers. One was a coming out of retirement that happened uh, this past week. And the first, um, if I am a uh, Barcelona fan, um, I'm wondering what in the world my club is doing um, by signing a 30-plus-year-old player um, versus losing a 23-year-old rising rising midfielder, rising attacking (laughs) midfielder. I I don't... I don't understand. Um, and, and, and not only did they trade away a young player in, in our tour, but they also gave them money. As if Juventus needed any more money. <laughs> they, they need to make up the money for this uh, by Ronaldo. I guess. But, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean... It, the way, the way I kind of look at the situation now is I foresee a situation where, um, and I'd love for Ama and Haitha, I'm, sure, I'm sure you guys have uh, opinions about this as well, because we've all been laughing about it in the WhatsApp because, you know, um, <laughs> it seems like uh, Barca has been making a number. Of, I mean, if they're not fighting in the locker room, the players with, you know, with their manager and, and literally coming to blows <laughs> after yeah. uh, Celta Vigo, um, uh, because we could... The, the, the four of us could beat Celta Vigo. I just want is I just want to have. Hopefully, they'll release the telenovela based on on the the Barcelona dysfunction. <laughs> I, it, it, it's like it's it's like reality TV. It's so absurd that you couldn't you couldn't write it as fiction. If you, you know, if you tried, it's everything. The operations have been so laughable for years and like they've been, it's been crazy watching them implode because like I've never been a Barcelona fan, but like I definitely admire the talent and the accomplishments, but by God, it's just been terrible move after terrible move, like back office, everything. It's just hyper dysfunctional organization and you've got the greatest player in the world and you're still just limping along it's it's incredible how how um how bad barcelona is in spite of you know having the deck stacked in their favor right like these are all it's like own goals like this just trade makes no sense whatsoever given what they need right like it it makes no sense at all you know you're not even building i don't even i can't even say in in a year like barcelona next year will be better 
than Barcelona this year, right? Based on this this deal, like if it makes Messi no retires, sense. If, if Messi retires this summer, which is highly possible, if they keep that manager there, I can <laughs> see a situation. This is just me, where uh, where Pianic is the only player that is left, because uh, because I can see a situation where they because they are overcoming the fisticuffs <laughs> after that draw. So I can't even. Imagine and uh, Rossler, I, I I don't know if you saw that match. I I don't know if you have an opinion about this, but this but this whole situation is uh, rid- ridiculous on so many levels, right? Because because you are literally giving away at Barcelona, literally one of your best midfielders at the age of twenty three. He is literally one of the best midfielders you have ever had at your club in in probably two in, in at, at least in a decade. At least in a decade. Oh, and, uh, and, and yes, I was there. That's too. That's a bridge too far. <laughs> that's who they try to groom him to be in the Esta. Exactly. And he has yeah, the but, to be there to get there. But why are they treating him? It makes no sense to me. It makes I, no sense. I'm to just me. as clueless. <laughs> yeah, I think th- this all goes back to just the uh, uh, domino effect from Neymar leaving. Neymar. Yeah, it's just that's that's the only explanation that I can come up with. Um, it's just like you know this big piece of the puzzle went missing, and they're trying everything to replace it, and it's just it's not working. Um, it, it just it doesn't make sense. I think Barcelona, like you guys, you know, all of you say, Artur is 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 a great player. Upside is is you know exponential, um, and and you go and get. Pjanic, um, it, it, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but even, you know, before you even thought about that trade, why not look into the dysfunction that you have right now? And when I say dysfunction, I'm not talking about, you know, the office, the, you know, this, you know, the uh, executives or whatever. I'm just talking about the players. I mean, you have players like uh, Dembele, who you signed for a gazillion, you know, million dollars, and he's not even, you know, playing for you. Um, Coutinho, you've moved him around for the past couple of years, uh, and you paid all this money. Antoine for no reason. Antoine Griezmann. Yeah. You whatever you feel like. You're like, oh, he's a player. No, he's a striker. No, he's a left wing. No, he's a right wing. No, he's a right wing. I mean, trade Coutinho for Pianis, right? If if you if you actually yeah, want yes, Bekatina for Pjanic, but yes, I don't get it either. It makes no sense. They've kept you're right. Rakitic, who they've been trying to sell, Busquets, who's like on his last leg, Arturo Vidal, who's on his last leg, uh, Suarez on his last leg. <laughs> All these players that started the club, and you gave up Artur, the one player that has. That's the one player that you should not be selling. I can understand you, you don't want to sell De Jong because he has potential. Yeah. Uh, Messi's you definitely not going to sell because if you do that, then you, you just made yeah, everybody yeah. to be fired from the front office. But <laughs> and Tristegan, Tristegan, but yeah, geez, Louise, like how how do you how do you drop the bag? How do you fumble the bag so hard? I'm just trying to figure that out. Uh, listen, it, the, if if Barcelona does not implode as a team this summer then I would be shocked. I would not be shocked. Several of those players you listed have passed their prime in, in terms of not just playing, period, but just playing at Barcelona. 
But also, in addition to that, there's there's just, I mean, we've talked about it consistently on the WhatsApp. Like, one of the players who I have just fallen in love with outside of Artur is uh, one of their rising star center backs in Taribo. The kid is like damn near seven feet tall. They don't know where to play him. They don't know where to play him at at center defensive mid or center back. He he is a natural center back, a, a natural center half, and they're and you know he can play both positions. But if and I would love for him to be in rotation at United. I think he deserve he doesn't deserve to be in that dysfunctional cesspool in Barcelona. I do know that he is too young, and 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 maybe for for Artur's sake, he does get to play at Juventus, but maybe not, because as we've seen with Juventus, that's where in recent years, particularly uh, these past two seasons, that's where midfielders go to die as far as their careers are concerned, because how many midfielders does it take for Juventus? Like they don't need any more. Juventus doesn't need midfielders. So the fact that they added Artur, yes, they added him for depth, but they have several other midfielders that are that, I mean, let's not pretend that they didn't um, uh, take Ajax's best midfielder in um, and 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 send him and and take him and 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 take them from Ajax. So you know, <laughs> and granted, that was the year to pilfer Ajax, right? But at the same time, it's like you you know you have an opportunity as a club to. Um, uh, turn some of these careers of these of these players around. At, and now I'm talking about Juventus, not not Barcelona. And it's almost like, yes, you know, good for our tour to leave that dysfunctional cesspool of Barcelona. But then he goes to a Juventus where he's going to be playing in a rotation with several other midfielders who literally play the exact same position. Yes, some of them are significantly older than he is. Shout out to Aaron Ramsey. Well, I'm not going to. Stop mentioning He's probably going to be gone by the time Hunter gets there, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately. Um, But, I mean, mean, they just signed Rabio. Yep. You know, this past summer. Yeah. Um, They have – what's the kid from – that plays center back for them? From Ajax, from Ajax, yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Um. You know, they have the lick that can play cent- that can play in the midfield and and at center back. Um, and they have Juventus has a depth of midfielders, and they didn't need to. The only the only reason they took Arthur from there is because Arthur probably wanted to leave. Probably he, he, but he didn't he, want to leave. He said he didn't want to leave. Well, he was he was, fight, he was fighting the transfer. Well, I think he was. I think he wanted to 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 stay because he wanted to become the next Iniesta, despite the fact that Iniesta was gone. He wa- he wanted to become that next yeah. linchpin at Barcelona, and now he's not there. So the only reason he was fighting this is because he wanted to become the next, and now he won't have that opportunity because he's playing at Juventus now. And they have, you know, they have so many, you know, what, are, what, is, what is Juventus going to do with Rabiot, with Ramsey, with, um, you know, so many, so many, Pianic, I'm, I'm sorry, not Pianic, um, 
all these midfielders <laughs> like they, they have Emery Chan. Well, well, Chan left. He left. He left too. They have Kadira still. Oh, well, I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> man, you know, I think it's gonna happen. Just given my how we, yeah, given how we talked about uh, the Syria, like a lot of teams have to balance their books and do a lot of swap deals. Then that means Ramsey's going to be gone. Uh, Kadira is going to be gone. Matui, they've been trying to let go. They haven't yet. <laughs> so I think they're going to just, I think they brought Artur because the writing's on the wall for everybody else. That's that's my assumption. So then, he's, like, he's going to be competing, but not for many. But 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 then, okay, if you get rid of Matuidi and Kadira and Rabio and Ramsey, okay, you take those four competitive players out of the picture, where does that leave their midfield at that point at at Juventus? Sure, they could pilfer from from somewhere else and pick a and pick a random piece from a random club, but then how does that work for synergy? I mean, we just talked earlier in the episode about synergy at Liverpool winning the title. Juventus, granted, they don't have to do that much to win the title, but that midfield is literally where I mean, we've seen tons of Serie A clubs literally fall apart at you know at the seams at the midfield level, not just not in the Serie A, but particularly in European football, at, at, you know, the, you know, in the Champions League. And there are literally clubs that will send their attackers right into the right into the midfield of some of these teams, and they just won't know how to deal with them because there's no synergy there. I mean, uh, you know. Um, we could, you know, we could talk about Inter. We could talk about Napoli. We could talk about Roma. All these clubs last season in the Serie A were doing bits, but then they get to the European level. They play against clubs that are not in Italy, and they get shell shocked. We saw what happened to Juventus, you know, in the Juventus and Ajax match. Why did Ajax win that match and Juventus lose? It was. It happened in the midfield. Ajax had a dearth of talent at the midfield, a dearth of players at the attack. And Juventus didn't. And now, as you just talked about, Jonathan, you're talking about all these players leaving, right? Because, it, because they're player-for-player player swaps. And Ramsey goes, Rabio goes, Matuidi finally leaves, Kadira finally leaves. Yes, Archer's going to be there, but who's he going to play with? Some new, some, a new face and a new face above him? Or, or a new face next to him and a new face behind him? He's going to play with a bunch of 30, 30-something-year-old uh, forwards. That's what's like. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, guys, you guys are missing it. The puzzle, the Juventus puzzle, is going to be, you know, complete when Sari gets his Jorginho back. It's that's, the best. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Penalty taker of all time. That's what's missing from the <laughs> I was just thinking that because I, I I was thinking that that's who sorry is thinking. Oh, Artur, this is my Jorginho again, but <laughs> without Jorginho being there, but he'll be back. <laughs> yeah, but but the the one thing that I want to say, uh, just taking it back to Barca, um, it's it's uh, it's pretty surreal. I see a little uh, a little uh, of uh, you know a similarity with what happened to the Bulls in '97. Just the dysfunction in the office that ended up causing Jordan to retire, yeah. um, and I just, you know, I'm, again, just like Alma said, I'm not a Barcelona fan. Uh, I'm a 
I actually uh, dislike him. But <laughs> I love Messi, and I love what Messi just does uh, on the pitch. It's, it's just always a joy to watch him, even without rooting for him. And I just hope it's not going to be the same fate as Jordan's in 98 because of the office, because, you know, the execs, and I don't want to talk, talk about people that are dead right now, but um, what that executive did and basically was saying, you know, uh, what was he saying? Um, uh, offices, built teams, not players, or something like that. I can't remember. Um, yeah. But it just, uh, to me, it's, 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 it just, it looks eerily, you know, similar. So, and you know, quickly moving from one dysfunctional managed manage club to another um, that needs to uh, implode is PSG losing their right back to Dortmund um, in a Munier. Uh, <laughs> that's another club where I'm just like, they have, you know, they don't have to do a whole lot to win in League One, in, in League One, right? They don't. They because at, for for all intents and purposes, up until recently, you could argue that there really hasn't been a whole lot of competition at the top in in league. Well, so there shouldn't be. Even when there was competition, it wasn't like it shouldn't have been the case. Like on paper, on paper, not that. Like PSG has always had the strongest team in league. On whether Monaco was doing bits with kids or not, or whether Lyon was, you know you know, struggling, you know, you know, bumping up and Marseille bumping and like, nah, they, they always, they've always had the strongest team. I say always in recent history, they've all, they've always had the strongest roster and could feel the strongest team in Liga. And so there was never an excuse. It's, it, you know, never an excuse to not win except just being terrible or having a terrible manager like Unai Emery. Who you know all too well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you know. Um, and I, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't rate Thomas Tuchel that much, that that, that much higher either. So, well, I mean, th- to your point, like it's another club just like Barcelona who recently have a front office who don't know where who who kind of are more concerned with the stadium looking pretty and you know making sure the uh kits are the tightest kits possible oh jordan brand boy that jordan (laughs) brand black they had an all black kit that was ridiculously gorgeous like i don't support them so i couldn't buy i I wasn't even gonna buy it yeah you're right it feels like they care about how they look more so than you know what i mean and plus all the like Neymar does a, a Rodman holiday every two months with his sister. And then, oh my God. <laughs> wow. I like mean, even I, I, I'm speechless. <laughs> it had to be said. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I have never been a, like a full blown PSG fan. Um, I like players that that come through that program, uh, and I support them. But I've never been a, a, a so. But it's another club that I feel like needs needs that sharp dose of reality. I know 
in episodes past, Sheldon has explicitly said, and I'm sure Hytham, you would agree on on today's episode, that uh, you know signing a Mbappe in the summer would just be you know would just be the greatest gift ever. You've won the title, and then you get an Mbappe in the summer. It's just the greatest gift ever. When you know on on episodes past, Joseph has said that's never going to happen. That notwithstanding, maybe maybe an Mbappe leaving. We know Cavani's on his way out and several other players. I mean, we saw Rabio go from PSG in the midfield over to Juventus. Maybe what it's going to take for that club to realize, okay, we're going to lose all our talent. How are we going to rebound from this? Um, you know, if they are, you know, I do hope that club is stuck with Dustin, is stuck with a uh, Angel Di Maria, and that's it. <laughs> that will stay there for all I care. Um, <laughs> the hate uh, is strong. It's never going to die. Ever. He's the worst in the history of Argentina. Um, uh, but yeah, I just. <laughs> it, if there's a club that needs to go, you know, and that's why I'm glad that uh, Munier is gone um, and, and, and going to Dortmund and, you know, replacing Hakimi. At, at right back, um, they need the depth. Dor- Dor- you know, Dortmund needs the depth if they want to compete with 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 Bayern, who just won the championship. Uh, the you know you know the Bundesliga title. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Hytham, Jonathan. I'm curious how both of you feel about this uh, this recent development from 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 PSG and just PSG in general. Um, you know, yeah. So. You know, I I think it goes back to money. You know, I I don't know. There, FIFA needs to institute some kind of law where it prohibits people. Uh, you know, it, it gives a threshold for owners. Basically, I know it's called uh, fair play, but it's not in place. But if you owe more than uh, I don't know uh, five hundred million dollars or whatever, you can't buy a football club, um, and you know, I just feel like, you know, to me, PSG is city or a, a dysfunctional version of city. Um, you know, um, they have all the resources in the world, but, you know, and, and, and again, their league is, is pretty weak. I mean, uh, Monier is, uh, is, is uh, gone, but I'm sure they're going to replace him with, you know, whoever. Um, Kolobali, they'll probably buy Kolobali and put him on, uh, you know, uh, as a wingback because they can do that. Uh, yeah, it's just again, it, to me, it just goes back to the issue with money and, and, and football and the influx of billions of money with owners and, and what that takes away from, from the match itself. You basically just buy yourself. Um, into winning. Um, I know we talked about it earlier, how you need to spend to get good players, but um, it doesn't mean that you have uh, an infinite bucket, you know, that you can pick from and, and, you know, build your chess pieces or whatever. Um, So, yeah, I mean, from a dysfunction standpoint, yes, PSG is dysfunctional. Um, You know, a lot of it is their deeds and some of it is just 
how things are in football nowadays, especially in Europe. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Jonathan? What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, tr- transfer side, I think it was for Dortmund is good because they're losing Hakimi, so they need a right back. And Minier is good, well enough for the right back. Um, I think he fits for the team. He's older, but he'll, he'll fit for them. Uh, I mean, they're not, Bayern's probably going to win again next season, but, you know, they'll, they'll be there. They'll compete. Um, I think for PSG, it's it's interesting. I think, yeah, I, I agree with Item. I think they don't have – they don't know where they're going. They know they can win the league on easily, but they don't know where they're going. And you can see that because they've needed uh, Conte for – like four or five seasons, and they've yet to <laughs> they've yet to offer the money for him to do that. And it's like, you know, what what are you waiting on? Um, you need this type of player to win you win the Champions League, which is ultimately what uh, Manchester City, our our owners, or PSG's owners, uh, Monaco for a time before they had to like just restructure their entire organization, uh, Real Madrid. Um, all all these all the major clubs, especially the clubs that are uh, that have uh, uh, billionaire owners, um, particularly in oil, that's what they want. They want Champions League, so they're a squad that's great. It's like culture for the for quote unquote the culture. They're great because I do have a PSG shirt because <laughs> they make great shirts. <laughs> I have I have the orange kit from this past season because it's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> So for the culture, it's great. And they, they, they've linked up. They do all the things uh, aesthetically. However, they're like, yeah, they're a club with no direction. Um, and it shows. It shows in how they, wh- what moves they make for players and and how they do things. Um, you mean, and even manager, like you said, I don't have, I don't have respect for Tuchel either, I think. Uh, or Tuchel either, I think he's, like there's a reason why he was fired from Dortmund. <laughs> he doesn't. He's just not that great of a manager. So, um, yeah, I think yeah, that's my that's my feelings on it. I think I don't know what PSG is going to do. I mean, they might have they they could splash the cash or someone else. But my thing is like they've sold Rabiot, um, and now they don't have anyone really in the midfield that can do it. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll win the Champions League this year. Who knows? Um, but nah. I, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they got and they got Amber Herrera and like yeah. Rocky and and like I don't know who else is in their midfield. I didn't care about Herrera, Neil. Sorry, Idris <laughs> hey, Gay, maybe. First of all, first of all, I'm still hurt that Andrew left. All right, I'm still hurt. Now they can take that, that's fine because he can't finish to save his life. That's why he looks like a goblin. But you know, <laughs> um, the hate is so strong. Listen, your, your club is your club is trying to compete for a top four spot. You don't need Andrew Herrera. That's true. We are, <laughs> but at the same time, we're going to be playing in Europe next year. Something that Manchester City isn't going to be doing. So, <laughs> moving on to a lighter note, um, uh, and 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 some good transfer news. And uh, great transfer news for this Artavizzi side. Um, Ian, you know, uh, 
Ian Robin has decided to come out of retirement. For those that don't know, he was, you know, he retired after last season um, at Bayern Munich and decided to hang up his uh, cleats and is now back, going to be back next season as a player manager for uh, his home side of uh, FC Grogan. And that's, you know, um, as someone who wasn't a avid watcher of uh, his career, but obviously paid attention to it throughout the throughout the throughout the years, um, obviously not just in Bundesliga, but also in other leagues as well. As someone who, if you want to watch someone who on the wing can can pass the ball well and is a great maestro in the center, but also on the wing, you want to look at an Ian Robin. Um, uh, he is uh, lights out, um, and I think he's going to do wonderful things for his home club. Um, you know, he, you know, he obviously wanted to continue to play, um, and uh, that bug is still there, and I think for a, a player of his caliber um, who can still deliver, who can still finish, um, I think it's great for him. Um, you know, how do the rest of you feel about that? About, about his coming out of retirement? So, you know, I don't know how old he is. He's at least 35, right? Um, and Iron Robin has looked like he was 35 since he was 21. <laughs> and, and I will dispute right. that, that he did a bunch of things great. I'll say... He did one thing better than anybody else in the world, right? So that being that left-footed right winger who cuts inside, it's I watched year after year, defense after defense. They play two at the back, three at the back. They have a midfielder helping. I've, he's been able to be extremely impactful, essentially being a one-trick pony. I I I really admire Iron Robin because like you know what he's gonna do, he's running down the wing and then he's gonna cut inside, and curl the ball in with his left foot into the far corner, right? Like literally, that's he. If you did a supercut of all his goals, eighty percent of them will be exactly what I just said. Gunning down the wing, hit the brakes, cut <laughs> cut inside on the left foot to the edge of the box and curl it to the far post. It's just incredible how every single defense he faced was susceptible, um, even into deep into his 30s. So, yeah, I'm really happy for him. I think I, 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 that he gets to do, you know, like I like players that are, are humble enough. You just, you're playing for the love, no longer for the money. Um, and you know, he's just doing what he loves to do. And it's not like boxing where coming in, coming out of retirement could be catastrophic for your health. Um, uh, this, this is, this is, this is to me, it's a, it's a feel good story. Like you mentioned, and I'm, I'm happy when I see players, you know, go home, so to speak and, and, uh, play for the love again. Yeah. So my, I guess, fondest mom, uh, memories of, of uh, Robin was with the Dutch, Dutch team, actually. Um, I think it was 2010, the World Cup. Uh, 
they got beat by Spain, but I, I thought he was one of their best players um, in that particular World Cup. Um, and then I think, you know, Ama described his, his style of play to, you know, the point. Uh, I don't need to add to that at all. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed watching him. You know, even when he was playing for Chelsea, I can't remember how many seasons he played for them. Um, maybe a couple, one or two seasons or whatever. Uh, but obviously, I'm sure he <laughs> I'm saying I'm sure he forget. I'm, oh yeah, forget yeah, yeah. But you know, obviously, his most memorable memorable days playing for a club were with Bayern. Um, he was consistent with them, and even you know, uh, when they him and Ribery decided to leave, or or you know. I don't know if they were pushed out of the club or, or if it was by choice. It might be a combination. I can't remember. Um, you know, a lot of people are asking, you know, how are they going to be replaced? And, and it's going to be a huge loss and it's going to take Bayern years, basically, to get to that level of play on the wing um, once those two left. But, you know, we know where Bayern is right now. Um that's a different subject for another day. But yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed watching Robin. Um, and then, you know, uh, I'm a hit it on the nail where, you know, he always looked like he was in his 40s when he was in his 20s. Um, that's another thing that's memorable too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think. I and, 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 and Jonathan, before you go, I'll just add like what Byron did was they allowed for you know they 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 allowed for the likes of Serge Gnabry and Coleman to finally get a chance right because they were playing behind Ian Rob you know for for playing behind Robin and Ribery and they were getting taught how to I mean I'm sure uh Serge Gnabry didn't need to learn how to drive down the right and then all of a sudden cut in I'm you know he he already knows how to do that because you know he you know he cooks players on a regular basis down the wing, um, and then and then he does the goal dance afterwards when he scores. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's the I mean it's the I mean it's the same thing with Coleman on the left. I mean now we have the opportunity to see Coleman um, deliver on the left, and then um, the uh, Canadian Messi at left back can move up to the left, or they or one of them can play left back, and it's just a sight to see. So you know. Uh, anyway, Jonathan, go ahead. No, I mean, uh, I would. I think just to speak, Dama, it's a, a vein of RVP who went back to his boyhood club. So it's it's good to see. Like he has no pressure. Um, to I mean, what are the expectations for uh, the club? Like they're not going to win the Eredivisie, but you know, he's he's supporting them and in, in that downtime and. You know, why not? If he can make it through a season, uh, perfect, perfect. And I would just say, like, in his legendary career, um, I think my greatest moment is when he defeated – he he made the goal that defeated United from the Champions League. That was my personal favorite moment for Arjen Robbins. So. <laughs> <laughs> just doing the same classic move, the cut, the cut back and curl. That put curl into the, in the net. <laughs> And guess what? And guess what, Jonathan? It's a Champions League that City will not have for the next two years. So, <laughs> I can live with that. I can live with that, knowing that Arjen Robin did this to the club. 
Wow. <laughs>